Welcome to HR edition of B2B Nation, part of the Technology Advice Podcast Network. Today's episode is with Julie Cantor, the CEO of Two Mentor. Thanks for joining the B2B Nation, Julie. Oh, it's great to join the B2B Nation, and we're really excited to talk a little bit about mentoring and sponsorship to elevate women in particular in the STEM workforce. Woohoo! Yeah, super pumped. We're going to dive on in here uh, in a second. But first, Julie, I just want to hear a little bit more about you and about Two Mentor. Thanks. Well, I'm delighted to be on this podcast. And, you know, I'm just really passionate about helping elevate women and millennials in the workforce. I think it's crucial that we see each other at work. Work can be incredibly isolating. And these days, um, Gallup has shown some incredible research that shows that less than 40% of Americans are actually engaged in their jobs. So I've spent the last 25 years focusing on building movements around a skills-based workforce, youth entrepreneurship, education, and now my new company, I think it's my fifth startup, is called Two Mentor. So take the word mentor, and if you put T-W-O in front of it, it really makes the word mentor more inclusive. You actually put the word women into mentoring. I launched Two Mentor as an LLC in September of 2015, and we go in and help companies build mentoring cultures, help them with their strategies and benchmarking. We offer mentor training and sponsorship training, which I can talk more about. We speak globally and even just recently came back from Chennai, India, where we did a fun flash mentoring session. So we're just really passionate about building mentoring cultures, elevating women in STEM, and better retaining millennials by having stronger leadership and cultures in our workplace. Love it. I love it. Fantastic. Super, super interesting, Julie. And you mentioned mon- mentors and, and sponsors. Uh, are are those two, I mean, sort of equally important? Is that sort of, you know, what is required to you know, go out there and create a more engaged, you know, workplace? A mentor talks to you, advises you. A sponsor talks about you behind closed doors. Men are 46% more likely to have a high-powered sponsor, and 83% of women don't have sponsors. It's It's a critical distinction. And I think that as we look at, as I look at young women, When they're in middle school and high school, they need role models. They need to see women in IT loving their careers and loving coding and loving um, and feeling really valued in the workforce. As they get older, they need mentors to help guide them towards what education they need, that they're what type of meaningful relationships they should be building, how to navigate corporate politics, how to get an internship how to write a resume, all of that. Mentors can become incredibly important to share the real deal. As women get older, I think we lose mid-career women in the workforce because they don't have a sponsor. Mm. They don't have that advocate who champions them for others or says, hey, everyone, wait a second, Sheila's got a good idea here. Or, you know that big promotion? I'm going to throw Jenny's hat in the rink. So this role of the sponsor and how women can um, build sponsoring relationships, but also we need to be sponsors for each other. 
the Old Boys Network was built on the foundation of sponsorship. And at Two Mentor, we're teaching women to sponsor and co-sponsor each other. Love it. I love it. And, and how important, Julie, would you say? I mean, how does corporate, you know, mentorship and sponsorship sort of impact this conversation? These days, it's critical to build mentoring programs. And I want to talk a little bit about why. A lot of companies think mentoring is a nice to do, that people should be mentoring each other, and hope it's happening in the informal space. I want to talk for a minute here about the business case for mentoring, why it's not a nice-to-do, it's a have-to-have. So first off, in 2001 or 2002, Sun Microsystems did a study, a five-year study of people who were in a mentoring program there and people who weren't. After five years, the people who mentored were promoted six times more. Wow. The mentees were promoted five times more. Hmm. And the retention rates. And in this war on talent that we're seeing all over the country, but especially IT talent, retention is queen. And the retention rates at Sun Microsystems, which later was bought by Oracle, was 20% higher. Just think about it. A mentor, I, I'll actually share a, a, a kind of challenging story about myself. I was, um, after about 15 years at my company, I was feeling a little dejected. I was feeling a bit undervalued. And one morning, I couldn't get out of bed. I was depressed. And I sent an email to my mentor. My mentor contacted me. And, I mean, I was, I was planning my resignation letter. And my mentor he called me, Mike Caslin, and he said, he said, I would walk from my hotel room in Hong Kong to your home to show you what you meant to this company. I tore up my resignation letter, and I stayed for the next five years. If it hadn't been for my mentor's intervention, I probably would have left and not learned all that I learned about resiliency and so much more. So this is really um, a mentor will drive retention at your company. And when you lose a good person, you're losing at minimum about a year's salary. So it's hitting corporate America's pockets and their bottom line. Retention rates are higher. Promotions. Mentoring is a have-to-have. Is there a difference, Julie, between an internal – it sort of sounds like in your situation you had an internal mentor, so someone that works within the company. Uh, is there a large difference between an internal mentor versus someone you know who's coming from maybe an outside company or uh, a you know program like to mentor to, to help folks out, or uh, is sort of the end goal the same? So we actually go into companies, and we're man- we have a management consulting firm And we help companies build Hmm. their mentoring strategy, which can be internal and external. Think about it. If you work with um, a company, and and some of the companies that I worked with in the past were Cisco and Capital One, and I worked with um, Intel and Tata and so many amazing companies, Um, if the mentoring is an HR strategy, then you're going to want to build internal mentoring and sponsorship initiatives if, or get role models from other companies, especially for women in IT. 
um, if the mentoring is part of a, a CSR, corporate social responsibility strategy, you might tie that with HR and build an internship program for college students or grad students, and you might be mentoring externally um, or going in and working with a, com- a, a great organization like Girls Who Code or Black Girls Code or First Robotics, um, Girls Inc., where you're mentoring externally. So a lot of it is to align with the values and the strategies. Workplace mentoring um, often is internal, but I think it's also important as a mentee that you pick your mentors wisely internally and externally. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Julie, uh, the question of the day here, I just keep asking myself, you know, if there is that ROI and if you can align your culture and it helps you retain millennials and it helps you maximize your workforce, why, why isn't every company doing this? You know, um, I, I, I was looking into the same issue and found a study where about 65, 70% of companies invest a lot of money in recruitment. And then that drops to about 50% as far as these companies, and these are the big you know, companies with $500 million mm-hmm. or more revenues. Then these companies, it drops to 50% for the ones that focus on employee engagement and training. And then it drops to like 34% for the companies who invest in retention. So it's kind of like dating. Companies will put a lot of money into the first date, a lot less money once they're married (laughs) into the ongoing development, culture, um, uh, nurturing and feeding of the marriage, and then the keeping of the relationship retention you know it's it's under 30% of companies are really investing in retention strategies i think we've got it upside down and i think that we're seeing with millennials that they're leaving they're looking for an investment in the marriage an investment in their learning leadership and development and that matters a lot more than getting a paycheck to most millennials and to women So, in fact, 75% of millennials deem that having a mentor is crucial to their professional success. Some would rather have a mentoring program at the companies that they go work for than getting a 401k plan. Hmm. We have a purpose-driven generation that wants purpose and meaning, and companies are really going to have to step up or they're going to continue to lose their younger workforce and um, and their women. So, Julie, what then are sort of the next steps? Or I guess the first steps to you know helping a company launch a mentorship program. Is it sort of just to look back and and really see you know that so many so much money that they're spending on you know acquisitions should in, instead be spent on retention? What's sort of the, the first step to to launch a a mentorship program? Well, I think first is to establish. Um, the baseline of the mentoring already happening at Mm. your company. And I think it's really important to recognize people who mentor, to create more of a mentoring culture where the company shows they value mentoring as a have-to-have, not just a nice-to-have. I think um, one thing that we love to do is go out to companies and get their CEO, their chief operating officer, their CIO, engaged in uh, speed mentoring. We do um, these really fun flash mentoring sessions. 
and get and show the support that we actually are going to build a formal mentoring program and we actually value it and it's part of and, and people are recognized for it i think we need to then get mentor training because it's one you can't just put people together and hope that you know they'll get along always um, so I think it's really important to have some mentor training. And then one thing that we've developed, it's called the mentor road trip, and where it's like imagine going on a road trip with your mentor. And we've created an entire action guide around the stops you can make along the way, the key discussions, and include some time for concepts like reverse mentoring. Your mentee has so much to teach you and about collaboration, about technology and tools they've used and their views on the world and other cultures and other generations. So we really um, think it's incredibly empowering, and we're seeing a lot more CEOs and companies build reverse mentoring strategies. So these are some things to get started, but to put a stake in the ground first, make sure you have strong mentor training and that there's an action plan that aligns with the company's values and goals. Um, but make it fun. I mean, have some fun with this and make it, again, part of the culture, not just another program or initiative driven by HR or diversity or CSR, but something holistically building within the company. A really important you know, part of this conversation, Julie, and, and we've mentioned it a few times throughout uh, today, is that you need to also make sure that uh, the people that you're engaging in these programs are women and are people that will continue to grow and develop as a result. So obviously this episode is for the Women in Technology Summit. And uh, I'm curious, Julie, what would you say, what would your overall description of Women in Technology be for the conference sort of as a preamble here? How would you describe uh, the current state of Women in Technology? So with women, women are about 50% of America's workforce. We're about 24% of the overall STEM workforce, science, technology, engineering, and math. In engineering, we're about 12%, and we tend, um, girls are tending to go for sciences over, they're going for the S over the T and the E. Um, boys are eight times more likely to choose technology and engineering. So we've got some pretty strong gender divides there. 24% um, of women drop out of the STEM workforce. And, I mean, of, sorry, of 24% of women in the STEM workforce, 50% drop out in the first 10 years. There's a story. I've talked to thousands of women in STEM when I was running an initiative called Million Women Mentors. There are thousands of women with a story of isolation, hmm. of being the only woman in their engineering course or one of two in the IT department. They tell a story of isolation, a story of not knowing how they will, um, how success is being defined. And a lot of women um, love IT because of their ability to really make a difference in the world. And so it's, we, you know, Rejma, the, the, Rejma, the head of Girls Who Code, made an, a powerful statement about women in her TED Talk. She said, we've socialized girls. We've socialized girls to try to be perfect. Boys are socialized to be brave. And we know girls have issues and women have issues with confidence. 
So it's really important that we teach women and girls to be brave and over being perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to expect perfection out of each other because technology is all about, and Scrum, it's all about trial and error and pivoting and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And if we want to see more women in IT, it's time that we and our daughters, um, are t- we need to be brave. And I think that um, for women in, in technology, um, that, you know, this is a really good time for girls in STEM. We are seeing more girls go into engineering programs, more awareness of these issues. So I think these are incredibly exciting times. Um, and I'm thrilled that uh, Women in Technology International and others bring together thousands of women in technology to share their stories and to build strength in numbers. And, um, and the other last point is if we want to see more STEM diversity, if we want to see more STEM diversity, and right now Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter in their IT departments, they're all under 17% female huh. and about 1% or 2% blacks and Hispanics in IT. And they're very open about that. And I know Google's working incredibly hard, as are other technology companies, to, with this diversity challenge and lack of a pipeline challenge and a retention challenge. But if we want to see more STEM diversity, we've got a mentor and then we've really got to sponsor other women and minorities. And my challenge would be that we don't always mentor people who look like us, that women mentor young men, that men mentor women, and that we mentor different ethnicities and races because we will see more diversity in STEM if we mentor diversely. Absolutely. And I love, you know, one of one of my favorite things sort of in doing research for this episode was seeing some of the, I guess, reverse mentoring. And I think that point is really interesting to me, too, because, you know, just as a uh, baby boomer could learn so much from a millennial uh, from technology standpoint, I feel like the same is true exactly to your point. You know, if you're you're mentoring someone uh, that's different than you, they, they have so many different experiences that they can bring to the table that you can, you know, ultimately learn from them as well. So I think that's a fantastic example, uh, Julie, of how exactly, you know, a mentorship program can really, you know, benefit both parties uh, equally. So, um, Julie, uh, final question here. Uh, what are you most looking forward to at the Women in Technology Summit uh, this upcoming, I think coming up about a month from now, early June, uh, what's, uh, what, what's the number one thing that you're like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait to, uh, to hear or see or do? <laughs> well, I'm really, I have to say selfishly, I'm so excited to introduce my new company um, to mentor to the witty crowd. And we'll be speaking. We're doing a session called 11 um, Strategies to Build Your Corporate Mentoring Program. We'll have a booth. And I was there last year. And so I'm excited to introduce my new company, see a ton of friends from last year. And I was blown away by the women who spoke at Witty last year and the conversations. So the whole Overall, just I felt in my element, and I loved the conference, so I cannot wait to come back. 
Fantastic. Well, uh, Julie, how can our listeners find out more about you and about to mentor? Sure. Um, so you can find out more about, well, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Julie Cantor with a K, K-A-N-T-O-R. And check out our website, um, to mentor, T-W-O, mentor, one word. We got women into mentoring, um, to mentor.com. And we'll have a booth, so come meet me. We're going to be hanging out and love to have some conversations on how we can support your corporate mentoring program. Or if you just are challenged and trying to figure out how to build more sponsorship relationships in your life, just come over and we'll do some flash mentoring and we'll have some talks. Um, so we're really excited to come to Witty and really um, honored to be on this podcast. Woohoo! And you are giving a, a session, 11 Steps to Launching Your Corporate Mentoring Initiative, uh, and that will take place on Monday, June 6th at 3.30 p.m. location, I believe is TBD. But uh, that is also something that our listeners who will be attending the conference should certainly check out. Uh, but uh, thank you again, Julie. Phenomenal episode. Super, super excited about this one and the conference. And there's so much, so much exciting stuff happening. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. To find out more about B2B Nation IT Edition, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Twitter. Give us a tweet, follow, or subscribe, and let us know that you're there. We're always looking for feedback on the show and additional topics for episodes. Thanks for listening.